Hey, hey, welcome to the Business Beauty Network podcast, where business meets beauty. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Welcome, welcome. I'm super, super excited to have you here. We have an awesome episode in store for you. I've been in this industry for over 16 years, and it is my goal to bring thought-provoking conversations from business and beauty professionals to help us grow our business and expand our minds. And as I would say, it's not just lipstick, it's business. So we mixed in a little fun, and we drop episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your podcast as well. So make sure you check us out there and listen to it and subscribe there. Also click the bell in YouTube so that you don't miss an upload. You also want to make sure that you check out our podcast on our website at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can email us at hello at businessbeautynetwork.com. We are super excited to have you a part of this community. And here is today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome to the Business Beauty Network podcast, where business meets beauty. Today, we have an awesome guest today, Elaine Travis. Elaine is a licensed cosmetologist since 1986. Elaine pursued her passion for hair color by attending various trainings with the first hair color USA in Miami, Florida. She attended advanced courses at Vidal Sassoon Academy and trained under Beth Minardi. She trained in the art of balayage with expert Nancy Brennan of L'Oreal and completed the intense education training with Alpha Parfa Melania. She has been featured in local and international magazines for hair color expertise and recognized in several best of categories, including Salon Today's top 200 salons. And in 2012, she started Expert Color Solutions, a training program for recent beauty school grads to provide the skills and confidence necessary to begin a successful career in a salon. Her love of hair color combined with a witty sense of humor creates an educational opportunity that should not be missed. Welcome, Elaine Travis. We're excited to have you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I love hearing that introduction. I'm like, oh, you forget all the things that you've done. And when you hear your bio being read to you, it's kind of cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool? It, sometimes I'm like, who are they talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah. So welcome, Elaine. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. So before we learn about you and all the awesome things you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. So something that shocks people when I share it is that I am actually an introvert. Um, I speak on stage. I wrote a book. I teach online. I do online hair shows where I'm the host. I create all these things. And people think that, you know, I'm so outgoing and I would be the life of the party at every party. But what I've noticed as I get older is I'm the life of the party if it's my party. So if I go into a cocktail party where everyone in the room is a stranger, I am awful. I'm an introvert. I hide in the corner. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. So that surprises people when we talk about personalities in in my membership. They're like, what? You're an introvert? No way. But when you take those personality tests, I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, I'm definitely an extrovert for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, but I hear that a lot. You know, that a lot of people like they can really be an extrovert when they need to be, but for the most part, they're an introvert. And so I think we all are like a combination of the both. Maybe you may lean stronger towards one or the other, but I feel like you know most people are like that. But I think some people are just completely, just totally introverted, and you know. Um, and I know a few people like that as well. So, but thanks for sharing that. While well, my headphones try to uh, fall off here, <laughs> but you look so fabulous. They're able to fall, and it still just blends with your whole outfit. You're so coordinated. Thank you, thank you. But thanks for sharing that. That's that's interesting. You know, because I wouldn't think you were an introvert either. So tell us about your career. Like you've been in this industry since 1986. So you have a lot of experience in the industry. Um, you know, tell us, share a little bit of your journey. So let's hurry up and start talking so that they're not doing the math on their fingers of how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I had a birthday this week, as a matter of fact, a, oh, a double hockey birthday. stick birthday. So um, yeah, it was great. And and I noticed for the first time in my life, I just turned 55. I'm happy to share. So you don't need to do the math. If you're on the treadmill, don't fall off doing the math. Um, I'm happy to share that because, you know, I used to be a fan of, I still am a fan of Oprah, but I used to watch Oprah every day at four o'clock when I was home. And she would say that the 50s were her favorite decade. She's like, oh my gosh, life just starts at 50. And I was like, oh God, you know, I was in my 20s at the time. So 50s sounded like 100 to me. And I was like, how can that be? How can 50s be the greatest time of your life? Well, now I get it. I just turned 55. And I'm like, for the first time ever, I wake up every morning with a sense of calm, peace, and content. And I've never had that. I had a salon for 32 years. I've trained people, hired people, fired people, you know, all the things, stood behind the chair 12 hours a day. Um, I never felt content. I never felt calm. I always felt an extreme sense of overwhelm. So my, my career started as I always had more of a stronger interest in color, but I was severely, you know, at a handicap with my knowledge. I did not understand it at all. So I did what a lot of people are now doing, which scares the hell out of me. Um, I thought I was too cool to be an apprentice. I did, you know, I was so confident. And I shared that I was an introvert. I didn't say I wasn't confident. So I was overly confident and not as skilled as my confidence. So I was 80% confidence, 20% skill. Went right behind the chair. And if a client sat in my chair, I spent the consultation time talking them out of getting color. I was like, oh my gosh, your natural color is beautiful. Why would you want to do that? Blah, blah, blah. Because I was terrified. I had no idea what to do. And I did that for about a year. And it got really exhausting really quick. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. I need to actually learn what I'm doing. Now, remember, this is 1986. So there's no internet. There's no computer, you know, no YouTube, none of those things to look up. For me to learn anything about color, I had to get on an airplane and travel somewhere and go to a big, ginormous show. So when I got to the show, I was like, you know, so excited, but yet so overwhelmed. And they spoke in this language, as you know, when you go to hair shows, it's we speak in formula speak, you know, 8C and 7G <laughs> equal, equal parts, 20 vol. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. So it, it was hurdle after hurdle of trying to get the information. So while I was nurturing and growing my own salon and seeing the same theme, every person that came to work for me, terrified of color, didn't know where to begin. I had to start them from square one, train them up. 
So I was like, why isn't anybody doing this as their full-time job? Just like helping salon owners train these people because owners have inventory and talking to the salesperson and, you know, talking to the accountant and all of the things and they don't have the time to do that training. So that's fast forward to now after 32 years of having the salon and becoming a color expert, I felt it was time to pass that knowledge on. My brain feels like it's going to explode because I have 32 years <laughs> of things in there that are all color focused. Um, and now it's time to pay it forward and share it. And I'm loving every minute of it. Um, I was able to create the Hairstylist Ultimate Mentorship, which you are an amazing, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, participant. <laughs> Um, we have 20 amazing mentors, including Brandy in the program. And it's my lifelong dream and purpose to provide that. I, it was important to me to provide a free platform that there was no barrier of entry. I didn't want to hear, I don't have the money to join your membership. I don't have the money to go to a hair show. I don't have the money to travel. I'm like, okay, you have a phone. There's homeless people that have iPhones. I've seen it here in Florida. <laughs> Quite a bit. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. We were honestly, Brandy, we were in um, Cambodia on a motorcycle tour out in the middle of nowhere, Cambodia. And people were in these shacks that you would not want to live in with, you know, no air conditioning. It was 150 in the shade. And they're sitting on their porch on an iPad. I kid you not. I took a picture of it. I was like, now I've seen everything. They're in extreme wow. poverty, but they're on that iPad. So where there's a will, there's a way, right? And that's what I say about education. So I did not want to hear that excuse one more time of, I don't have the money. I don't, I don't, I don't make enough behind the chair, so I can't afford education. Well, now you can. And we're making, you and I together, as well as the other 18 mentors, are making a huge difference in the industry by offering that true mentorship. You know the difference between a mentor and a teacher. Most people don't. You know, a teacher has to just read things out of a book and regurgitate information to you, mm -hmm. where a mentor is going to give it to you honest, um, maybe tell you something that you don't want to hear, but that's going to push you to the next level. And that's what I love about mentorship. So thank you for being part of that. I'm so excited to have you with us. Yeah, I'm excited to be a part. And I appreciate you even creating a platform such as this for hairstylists, because I think it's so important and, and needed in this industry. And I want to talk about, you said something about being overly confident. And I want to tap into that because I've been to beauty schools to speak. And a lot of times when you talk to students and um, even, and I'm talking about not even years ago, <laughs> recently, <Yeah. laughs> you talk to students at school and they want to, they want to get out and they want to be salon owners and sweet owners. And they're overly confident, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, really? Like, as soon as you get out of school, that's your plan. And when you, when I, when I would ask the question, you know, what, what were their plans when they graduated? Most of them would say that, like, I'm going to get a suite or I'm going to, you know, get my own salon or I've been looking into this and all of those things. And I'm, I was like, wow, really? And I always kind of like, you know, I'm curious to why that is. And I'll ask questions and I'll try to encourage them that maybe they shouldn't start there. But you know, tell me what's your take on it, because you said you were overly confident, too. So is this something that you see often? A hundred percent and too much, Brandy, and they don't want to hear it. It's like anything else with a younger generation. 
Um, I shared with Brandy when we got on here that I'm officially behaving like my older aunt where I need to buy the magnetic clasp to put on my necklace to put my own necklace on because I can't get the little clasp and then I have to ask my husband and I'm like, oh my gosh, when did this happen? So sometimes, sometimes the difference in age with me being 55 and a new stylist being 20 um, it's like, oh, 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 oh. it's like, they don't want to listen to their parents, you know, like, no, 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 no. I'm not listening to you. So I taught funny. You should say that I just taught a virtual class, um, to a salon in South Dakota. And I don't know about you, but you know, virtually or in person, you look out at the people you're speaking to in the school and it's kind of like in the, in the crowd, yes. just sucks your energy. Like, I'm just like, don't pay attention. Don't let them pull your energy down. Give it all. Give it all. Don't worry about it. They're, that's their concentrating face. I try to tell myself, you know, they're listening. So I, I don't know how it got incorporated into it, but I said, um, it concerns me that the trend right now is that everyone is coming out of school, going right into a suite and, or no, actually, I think the teacher had said, um, one of the people that asked a question, she walked out of the room and she said, can you address students that, you know, think that it's a good idea to go right into a suite? She's like, they're, they don't want to hear it from me. So maybe you can weigh in on it or whatever. So I started talking about it and the girl walked back in the room and I said, no matter how confident you are, no matter how much you think you're ready, I promise you, you're not. You need to make your mistakes and learn in a classroom setting in a salon on a training night, not on a paid client. You only get one chance to work on that paid client and they're never going to trust you again. They don't know your level of experience. You get one shot. So better to have it with you know someone standing next to you in a training where the, the person knows they're being a model. They're not paying to get their hair done. And I said, I promise you, even if it's three months, it doesn't have to be three years that that model is gone. I get that. I get it. I didn't want to do that either. But even if it's three months, seeing how to talk to a client that's nervous, how to do a proper consultation, how to make eye contact, shake their hand, have a, an intelligent conversation and what topics to avoid. And I could go on for an hour of the reasons why. And I finished my little thing and I still was getting all those looks in the crowd. And the girl was, I couldn't see her. She was like off to the side. And the teacher said, does anybody have any questions for Elaine? She's going to be wrapping up. And she said, I just would appreciate you not um, being negative about my, my career decision. That's my decision. I'm sticking by it. And nobody, and she was so pissed. And I said, I'm really sorry that this is triggering you and that you're upset about this, but I promise you, you're going to look back on this conversation we're having and say that woman really cared about me and wanted to help me avoid a mistake. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to change my opinion. I'm sorry that it hurts your feelings, but I'm not sorry that I said it basically. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get invited back there. And I reached out to the teacher and I was like, is everything okay? Like, was, And she goes, no, that's totally fine. They, they need to hear that. So I am known as the tough love uh, mentor and educator. You know, I'm not for everybody, but the people that embrace my style get the biggest transformation. They're like, okay, what I'm doing now is not working. And even though it sounds like she's being a bully, she's pushing me to do something I'm uncomfortable with. And Brandy, I'm sure you'll agree the most, the biggest movement in my life and the biggest gains and, and leaps and bounds growth happened when I was the most uncomfortable and I didn't like it either. But I, now I look at discomfort as like, yes, something big is happening. I'm uncomfortable again. That means there's a whole other level I haven't experienced yet. So I love discomfort now. And I try to teach to that. I'm like, 
you know, doing balayage for the first time, I didn't have a single fingerprint left. I could have murdered 17 people and not gotten caught because the bleach ate away all my fingerprints. Wow. Cotton up my nose. There was cotton shreds all over my apron. I was, my fingers were burning. My eyes were tearing. I was like, this is hell. I have a full clientele, full book. I have a waiting list. I'm a six figure colorist. Why am I trying to learn this new thing? Let the young people learn the balayage. I'm going to just keep moving on. But I was one of the first to try to learn it. So it was super uncomfortable. I was like, nobody else is doing this. Nobody else knows what it is. Why am I struggling to do this? But in retrospect, I was like, that changed my whole business because I was the first salon in my area to offer the service before it was on Instagram and YouTube and all the things. Now everybody's calling everything balayage when it's not balayage. That's a whole <laughs> Yeah. Um, but you have to be uncomfortable to be the first to be to stand out in your market to do something different. We don't all want to be the same, you know. That's what makes it magical. Definitely, definitely. And I think you definitely share some great pointers there. I, I think you told her correctly and gave some great advice. And granted, there's always exceptions to the rule. Like, you know, I'm sure there's somebody who came out of school that did wonderfully. I know somebody who came out of school that did wonderfully. But, you know, honestly, that's not going to be everybody. And for the most part, you need to gain some experience and understand, you know, how, how it works in a salon, how to actually run a business. And that's another thing, too, is I feel like, why do you feel like this industry struggles when it comes to running like a business as a, a hairstylist or beauty professional in general. And what I mean is by that is I see so often that, you know, I don't know if it's other industries, but why are we struggling on what we should charge? Why are we struggling on if like, if, like inflation right now, right? Everything's gone up. We know food's gone up, gas gone up, all these things, right? Everything you purchase has gone up in price except for your hair color, right? So, why is that a, a problem in this industry? Um, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons that I experienced myself as a stylist is um, what you talked about with the, the exception to the rule, the person who comes right out of school and is successful and is sweet. The person that popped into my mind when you said that is someone who took a job in a salon in high school. They shampooed, swept the hair, you know, did the towels, all that stuff. So they were already in the environment. So they learned without realizing they're learning about the people part of the industry. Then while they were in beauty school, they shampooed at a salon on the weekend or evenings, or they had that hands-on experience. And they became the neighborhood kitchen beautician who did everybody in their mother's hair in their, in their um, house, which is not the best plan, but it's, it is a plan, right? It happens. So mm. that's where I attribute the price problem because we start out with like, oh, girl, come on over. I'll grab your color. What are we doing? And I go to the store and I grab the color. I pay for the color. Brandy comes over to my kitchen. I put the color on. We're watching Oprah together. We're bonding. We're having fun. We're girlfriends. And she goes, oh my God, I love the color. You're the best and kisses me and leaves. So not only did I not charge her for the color, the physical product, I didn't charge her for the service. I didn't charge her for it. It cost me money to have Brandy over to get her roots done. I did that for years, years. And I look back and I'm like, I have friends that are dentists. I have friends that are lawyers. We don't sit around the house making my will up, my lawyer friends. I don't say, hey, let's work on my lawyer, my will while we're watching, you know, <laughs> <soap> <laughs> up. 
Chris. Like no other industry does that, but this is such a friendly business mm -hmm. that we confuse friendly with friendship and friends. If someone pays you for a service, they're not your friend, that you can be friendly with them, but they are a customer and you're providing a service. I went to a workshop the other night that was really helpful for me because I, I do struggle with the money part. You know, my, my program is so affordable for what I give compared to what I charge is ridiculously disconnected. And people tell me all the time, it should be triple, but I, my, my real purpose is helping people that need me. And it's this whole, you know, 360 of, I can't afford Elaine to be my coach because I'm not making any money. I'm not making any money because Elaine's not my coach. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I tell myself like, I can't, do an offer that's $1,997, like all the experts say to do, because what hairstylist is sitting around dying to spend $2,000 on a coaching program? But then I see people 20 years younger than me with five years experience in the industry coming out with a course that's six weeks and they're charging $4,000 for it. And I'm giving people six months and handholding and mentorship and live coaching and all of that for 597. So I'm like, I'm the problem. Nobody told me what I had to charge. I'm the problem. So I went to this event and they talked about the money story and, and how you carry that with you throughout your life. And it comes from your upbringing. You know, it's how your parents viewed money and all the things that you heard over and over. Oh, money doesn't grow on trees and you better save your money for a rainy day and have an emergency. You know, all these scarcity things are floating around us constantly. And then we think, you know, if we raise her price $10, she's going to leave me. And now I proudly said, you know, at the end of my time behind the chair, a client left me for a $5 increase, $5. And this was before COVID, before gas price, before everything went up. It was just, I was busy. I had a waiting list. It was time for an increase, $5. So she left me and went to a girl that I let go that was in another salon. So she didn't even stay in the salon and go to somebody whose prices were lower. She completely left the salon for $5. So she stopped in to buy a product that only I have because we have our own signature product, which I love that she had to grovel and come in for that product. And she was a real mouthy thing. I mean, she was, I, I was glad to see her go, put it that way. I should have raised her $50 <laughs> a long time ago. So she says, oh, how are you? Are you still busy? Acting like poking at me, like, did everybody else leave you over $5? And I'm like, look around. Do I look busy? Yeah, it looks busy. I said, it's fine. Everything's fine. You had to do what you needed to do. And it's totally fine. We're, we're good. You know, I was making her feel comfortable. Like, I'm not mad at you. Um, same client who, by the way, picked up a flat iron to touch up the fringe that she didn't like the way the girl blew her, her bangs out put the iron on my brand new $900 styling chair and burnt a, you know, a flat iron V into the chair. So left me over $5, but I didn't charge her for the $900 chair that she ruined. Wow. So I'm not bitter, Brandy, right? I'm not bitter. I'm just talking about like it happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, oh, she broke up with me, you know, talking to the other clients. I don't come here anymore. She broke up with me. I said, no, Sandy, we didn't break up. You decided to leave because I increased my price $5. It was a regular price increase. It was nothing personal. And, you know, that was your decision. And you're welcome back anytime. And she didn't even know what to say. So I think being in a place, we talked, we started this interview with me saying, like, I am in the best place I've ever been in my life. But it took me 55 years to get here. So the mentorship and my membership are ways of me being a bully for you, the listener right now that's listening. Sometimes you need a bully to tell you, 
you're worthy. You're worth more than you're charging and you're working way too hard. When you start to have, you know, I'm starting to see on the forums, what kind of shoes do you wear? My feet are killing me. My back is killing me. My knees are killing me. That's the beginning of when you start looking at your prices and say, I am breaking down my entire body. I'm breathing in harsh chemicals. I have, you know, all these dermatitis issues from touching chemicals and all these things. And I'm like, I could start at the top of my head and go all the way to my toes, what I've given to this industry. And I can tell you now that I'm not doing hair. The people that I was so friendly and thought were my friends, I don't hear from them ever. Never have. Mm -hmm. As soon as mm -hmm. I walked out from behind that chair, all of a sudden, I wasn't on their speed dial for cute little texts in the morning of like, can you squeeze me in? I'll bring you a coffee. I'm like, I could use a coffee. Let's go have coffee. Now that I'm not your hairdresser, you don't really want to have coffee with me. So it was really a big eye opener. It, it hurt. It was, wasn't a good stage to be in realizing how much I didn't matter to them. But that's where we've set our pricing on where we think that friendship is valued. And then when they, when you take away what you gave them and the relationship is only one sided, all of a sudden you're like, wow, she only stayed with me because I was less expensive than the competition. And that's no way to run your business. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, I could go on for another hour, but oh, that's yeah. Why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thank you for sharing that. I, it's definitely no way to run a business. And I think it's a mindset shift that needs to happen. And it's not going to happen overnight, clearly, because it's a conversation that I see that continuously comes up in this industry. So we just really need to shift our mindset. I think as women, we're nurturers and it's back to like doing your Barbie's hair. You know what I mean? Like, and I think sometimes we kind of associate like our beauty services with, you know, doing, putting makeup on your, your dolls and your friends and doing your Barbie's hair, like you said, doing hair in the kitchen. And so, and we need to, and it's okay to start that way. We all start playing and doing different things and exploring, but we need to understand that eventually when you leave the kitchen, you know, <laughs> you have to learn thing, new things in order to start a business because this is a beauty business. It's not just something you do for fun. And just because it becomes just because it's easy to you doesn't mean you should be paid, you know, awesomely for it. Right. And I think sometimes that happens because um, I, I think when I started off in the beauty industry, it, it kind of was hard because it was easy to me. And it was like, oh, and I don't want to charge her too much. And oh, and, you know, and I feel it a certain way. But I had to get out of that because when I think what really shifted for me was when I made a major mistake um, taking a job that ended up costing me because I didn't really count up the cost for the job. So I didn't charge enough. And it ended up being like a client from hell and all in all. <laughs> and then I had to pick up stuff for to do the job because I didn't have like I didn't have that set up. You know, I should have probably already been ordering stuff wholesale, had stuff on hand, but I didn't. So I had to pick things up for the job. To, so that took away from the income that I'm making. And then I didn't charge enough on top of that. And something clicked in me like I can't operate. I just lost money doing this service for her. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you said picked up, picked up what you needed because that's another big chronic issue in the suite model is people are, are going into a suite and they're like, this is so cool. I have my own business. This is awesome. And they have this little tiny cabinet 
for their color. And I see them go on Facebook and they say, I'm just starting on a suite. Tell me the exact number of shades that I need to, to be set up where I don't have to spend a lot of money. So they'll have like one tube of this, one tube of that, one tube of that. And they'll ask me a question in my group. They'll say, you know, I have this client coming in, blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, you need to do this, then this, then this. And I give an exact formula and they said, but I don't have that. And I'm like, okay, well then you have no business doing corrective color. You know, you have to have the tools that you need. And then say I recommended a, um, a pale copper as a fill. We'll say, well, can I use just a golden beige instead? And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. That's like saying, can I have the chicken and pretend it's fish? <laughs> like it, it's right. like two completely different things. And I'm like, I'm always left scratching my head when I get asked those questions. Cause I think, how are you being successful if you have to leave a client in your chair, get in your car and drive to the beauty supply to buy that extra bottle of XYZ? Like that is not a good business model. If you don't have the finances to fill that cabinet with one of everything that could possibly happen, you have no business having a business. You're not ready. And then during COVID, what really gave me a chuckle was everybody that was brand new in the suite said, well, I'm not going to have to pay my rent, right? Cause I can't work. I'm like, Oh no, honey, bunny, you're a big girl. Now put your big girl panties on. When you have a salon, when you're on maternity, you pay rent. When you're, when you have the flu, you pay rent. When your kids are sick, you pay rent anytime, any day, any hour you pay rent and utilities and insurance and workman's comp and taxes and visa chart, all of the things don't go away because you decided you didn't go to work that day. And I think to your point earlier, like, why do I think that, you know, people are wanting to do that? I don't think they have any idea how much more is involved than I have this beautiful Pinterest worthy, adorable place with, you know, cute sayings on the walls and neon signs and beautiful, you know, plants and they decorate it cute. It's like decorating your bedroom when you're a teenager, right. your parents finally <laughs> let you decorate. You're like, woohoo, but you're spending your parents' money, right? <laughs> They're right. paying for the decorations <laughs> and the plants and all that. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, the biggest rude awakening. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't want to poo-poo the whole thing. I think it's amazing for someone who is established, has a full clientele and has maxed out on what they can earn as a commission provider. But if a commission salon is doing their job, they're offering a path for the commission provider to never be capped out. You know, they can't just say, well, this is your max that you're ever going to make or go, go get a suite. Cause you're going to, you're going to bleed employees. They're all going to run for the Hills. But if you make a path for them to like, Hey, if you've maxed out, let's open another location and be partners on it, you know, rather than have them walk out and go to a suite where they thought they were going to make more money and they find out that they don't. Um, have them partner with you in growth and, you know, expanding or getting a second look. There's so many ways to do it. I honestly think though, Brandy, I've seen a trend where I think it's going to start circling back. I see a lot of the sweet places advertising empty suite, empty suite. I think yeah. a lot of people are doing it for a few months and saying, crap, can I get my job back or can I get a job <laughs> in a salon? Because they think the busy bus is showing up when you, I had a suite for three months here in Florida. I did not do well at all. And I had 35 years experience. I was yeah. fully booked in PA. I moved to another state. Nobody knows who I am. So you're not going to get a walk-in in a suite. There's 15 other businesses within that building. Your chances of getting a walk-in are slim to none. 
yes, and with sweets, they don't really have to sell you on the location per se. So they're all they're not necessarily always in the best location for walk-in traffic. So right. it's made for someone who al- already has a clientele and their clientele knows where they are, you know. And I think people fail to realize that. And I and I was it's interesting that you say that, like you think it's gonna be a full circle, because I do too. I agree with that. I've been talking to salon owners who are afraid because a lot of suites are popping up. They're having a hard time hiring staff and they're afraid like, okay, what, you know, what does that mean for my salon? So what do you think about that? Cause I was thinking that some, I was talking to someone like, is it over for salons? And I, I don't think it is for a lot of different reasons, but a lot of salon owners are struggling and they're competing with the suites and all of these things. So what's your take on that? So we, we are in that position. My salon is still in Pennsylvania and every one of my staff are amazing and they're, you know, they're making a really good living and they're in a commission situation. So they're on Instagram every night, seeing their peers that maybe they went to beauty school with opening the adorable suite and doing the whole Instagram, look at my business. I'm so cool. And I'm sure they're seeing that thinking maybe it's time for me. Um, but we have a really good culture in our salon and we really worked hard at that. That was like a major important thing for me was culture. So anytime we had, you know, a backroom bitcher or a negative Nelly, or there was drama, I was like, I'm sorry, I have to let you go. Like you can't be here, you know? So I really protected the culture. So that's number one, protect your culture and make sure there's no reason for them to feel unhappy. Um, number two, flexibility. You know, like we had a role of like no tattoos showing because we're very high end salon and have a very conservative clientele. So we said, you know, if you have crazy big tattoos, just try to wear long sleeves, cover it up, be, you know, more dressed up or whatever. We can't do that anymore. We're not going to be able to get any staff because everybody's tattooed. So we're trying to flex our, you know, be a little bit more flexible with things like that. Number three was we changed our compensation. We had to. You know, we couldn't say like, this is it. This is your commission. You know, we're, we have numbers and, you know, we did the summit years ago. So we know how much we can afford to pay and not go under. So we, we couldn't raise the commission per se. We couldn't just say you have, you can have 75% commission because that's <laughs> old. That's put everybody out of business that whole commission yeah. more. So I'm, I'm never going there. But what we did do is we created a system that goes off of their production So if they're really highly productive, they're going to make a higher commission. If they have a week that they only work two days or they didn't really show up or they had a lot of redos, whatever, the salon doesn't have to be in trouble over that. So it's, it flexes with their production and everybody's happy. Everybody wins because they, they know that sky's the limit with what they can achieve. And we know that we're not going to be out of business because we gave away the whole entire salon just because we were (laughs) fearful of losing everybody. So um, we'll see. So far, everybody seems to be happy. But as you said, everybody's always looking looking for what everybody else is doing. The, the best advice that I could give anybody listening is comparison really is the thief of joy. As an online educator, it's hard for me to not fall into, oh my gosh, her and I started at the same time and I have 4,900 people on Instagram and she has 20,000. And then I'll look at some of their um, posts and they get like 15 likes. And I'm like, okay, they bought their followers, you know? So that, that makes me breathe a little lighter. I'm like, okay, I'm not worried about what she's doing. 
I'm going to stay in my zone. My people are like people listening right now. Somebody probably turned this off 15 minutes ago because they're like, I hate her voice. She's a bully. She's mean. <laughs> She's too blunt. She's too honest, right? That you're going to have that. And then there's other people that are going to go, where have you been my whole career? I'm so sick of everybody telling me what I want to hear. I need a real coach to push me to that next level. I want to be a six-figure stylist before I retire. And all of my staff are six-figure earners because I'm a bully and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice bully. Um, I'm a bully that loves you. I love on you so much. My husband always says, um, you know, you're one of those people that's going to have a really crowded funeral. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What was that statement? He's like, I don't mean it mean. I just mean that like, you know, you get your feelings hurt when someone that you train doesn't keep in touch or left to go to another salon or whatever. And he said, but I think, you know, when you do pass and they come to your funeral, they'll say, she pushed me and that's why I have my own business. She pushed me and that's why I was able to buy a house. You know, I do get that now. Like after 15 years, people say, you know, at the time I just thought you were a real bitch, but now I look back and I'm like, if she didn't push me, I would have left the business and probably been working in an office, getting an hourly paycheck and being miserable. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the heat um, <laughs> to get people to change. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's needed, especially in this industry, you know, they're like, sometimes we need a spanking <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and we need to hear the real, you know, from somebody who's been in the shoes and understands what it takes to build a a successful business, you know, you need that. And, um, and if you want to grow, you, you know, you can't change and grow doing the same thing. Like it's insanity thinking that you go like do the same thing and get a different result. You're not. And so in order to change and grow, you have to learn new things and learn a different way of doing things, especially if it's not working. So, um, so that's one thing I definitely can see in this industry, but yeah, back to the whole sweet things. Um, I'm not going to say they're long, but, um, you, you were saying to seeing a lot of empties, a lot of empty suites and things of that nature in your area, you think it's going to go full circle. And I do too. And the, the, the reason it's going to go full circle is because, um, I was talking to a sweet owner recently who says people, you know, they, they'll stay 90, 60 days and then they can't afford the weekly rent and they, they don't know how to market their business or how to gauge their clientele. Or she was telling me some stylists work part-time jobs just so they can maintain the sweet rent while they're trying to build their clientele and things of that nature. And I just feel like it's time out for that. Like, don't be afraid to crawl before you walk, to assist somebody, to work somewhere where you can learn so that you don't have to do that. The reason why those things are happening is I believe that the people that she's attracting may be people who are just starting out. They don't, you know, understand the business. They may have been just out, fresh out of school or maybe they've worked somewhere, but they still don't understand how to maintain a clientele and all of those things. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. Yeah, so so I think that's like like the biggest thing, but I think uh, it's, it's always going to be a place for the salon, and I think what what owners need to really start doing is finding out how to position themselves as an ideal place to work. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to stand out more. So salons need to find out how to stand out more than ever now because now it's so attractive to be the boss. But let's remember there's a cost to being the boss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. I like that. I like that. Um, I think for salons um, and, and even then, even when you do this, it's still hard to, to reach the people for them to know that this is your business model, right? 
So what, right now we're hiring at the salon in PA and we have a great clientele. We have great training. We have, you know, all the things, but to find that person who's getting right out of school, it seems like they're getting, you know, nurtured and, and drawn to other salons while they're in school. So they're already committed by the time they get out, if they're going to work at a salon. So I think what, what you need to stand you apart from others is a, an absolute training program, not like, oh, you know, you can, you can watch us while we're working and you'll learn. You have to have like every Monday night is training night with models and all of that. That's really not, I, I was going to say the only way, and it may be the only way, because other than that, it's really hard to say, hey, come over here. Um, a lot of times it's, they're drawn to the brand as far as the demographic. Um, we have an issue sometimes because we're so high end and we're higher priced and we have a conservative clientele. If someone comes out of beauty school and they love vivids and they love the shaved sides and shaving underneath, they come for an interview and they're like, I don't want to work here. But <laughs> then they go to the shaved sides, the shaved everything. And they're in a chain salon making $8 an hour. And I'm like, if you would have accepted the brand here, you're going to, you're going to be at $50,000 behind the chair in your first year because we're able to charge more because you got the training. So it's like pay now or pay later. Basically you can't avoid that beginning stage, no matter which path you take. Um, but I think that's, it used to be, you could, you know, put it, I used to put ads in the newspaper. I'm really aging myself now. And <laughs> I would get 25 people that applied and then it was Craigslist and we would get 50 people that applied. Then it was indeed. And we'd get maybe 10 people that applied and now we don't get anyone that applies. So across the board, the entire industry is like, how am I going to get more staff? And I, my answer for them is stop even worrying about getting more staff just keep elevating your services to a level where your clients love your salon so much that no amount of a price increase is going to make them shop elsewhere. Your client would prefer, I mean, it depends on your model. In our business model, our client would rather pay $20 more to get that service done in a peaceful environment with less stylists and less drama than to pay $20 less and have somebody greet them. Somebody else get them a drink. Somebody else hang up their coat. Somebody else shampoo them. Somebody else blow them dry. Like it's that assembly line feeling when you have a lot of staff. So it just depends. You have to kind of keep pivoting and tweaking your business model to fit what works for your brand. Yes, I would agree. Now, what do you feel that you want to see shift in this industry? Um, the money story, honestly. Um, there's, there's a fun fact. I should have shared this as the fun fact in the beginning and instead of my introvertness, um, fun fact is a basic math equation to judge where you are in your pricing in the salon is your single process retouch should equal 11 times the price of your product. So if you're paying $8 a tube for color and you're using a full tube, if I have brandy in my chair and I use a full tube of $8 color, that retouch should be $88, just the retouch, not glazing her ends, not the conditioning treatment, not the blowout afterwards, not the haircut afterwards, not the highlights, nothing but that retouch, $88. And I'm sure I can guess that out of the people listening right now, there's maybe 10% that are there. So I think it's the, the, the war of the prices in a neighborhood where you know, the old model in 1987 was just call the three salons around you, disguise your board. <laughs> yeah. you know, we didn't have caller ID and all that. We're like, 
Hi, how much is a haircut and blow dry? Oh, oh, and by the way, how much is a men's cut? And how much is a and that you wrote it all down and then you were like, okay, they're $25, so I'm gonna be 22. That's the way you set your prices. We didn't have a business sense of this is my rent, this is my utilities, these are my credit card fees, this is this, this is that. We just were like 25. And then we just started doing it and we made no money. So um, I think that really understanding business. And again, Brandy, there's no excuse because in our mentorship, we have all of the free stuff with how to price, how to do a proper consultation, how to raise your prices. We have everything in there and it's free. Um, so we have that information. There's no excuse to be stuck in that crappy money story of I have to be the cheapest. If, you're, if your skill doesn't match your pricing, you don't get to raise your price. I'm not saying, you know, there's this new trend now, Brandy, going around like, you're worth it. You're amazing. You are the best. You deserve it. Uh -huh. And they're coming out of beauty school charging $800 for color. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 honey. <laughs> you don't get to do that. <laughs> no Tony Robbins speech is going to allow you out of beauty school to charge anything over $100 for a corrective color because you don't really know corrective color yet. You haven't even done regular color yet. So that's, that's what's happening. You know, there's this overarching, like, yes, you can do it. You can charge what you want. You're worth it. And they're seeing one client a day because mm -hmm. there's only <laughs> one client that's going to pay that. And then she'll pay it. She'll pay it because she's mortified because she had no idea what to expect. And she already got the hair done. So she'll hand her card over and be like, okay, this is going to cost me a month's salary. And you'll just never see her again. So I see a lot of that on Instagram not taking any new clients. And I'm like, mm, nope, don't do that. Yeah, don't do and then that. literally three months later, I see that same person taking new clients, DM me for consultation. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, that's what happens. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I never understand that. I would, I would never post that. Even if I was booked out for the next year, I would never post that. Because it's, clients... it's an ego thing, Brandy. <laughs> yeah. <be> cool. <laughs> Because people can leave you, people could go to the salon down the street, they could go to the person across the street or whatever. Life could happen and whatever. I don't want to ever be in a position where I can't make money. And if my main way from making my income is servicing clients, I don't never want to say I am not taking clients. I'll put up a wait list or whatever, but I never want to say that. <laughs> I don't understand that either. Yeah. So, well, here's yeah. a tip. Instead of saying, I'm not taking any new clients, if you're so booked, that you're just like overwhelmed with DMs and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't get back to anybody, yada, yada. You don't say, I'm not taking new clients. You say, new clients, please fill out this form to schedule an appointment. And you get their information and then you reply to them and say, these are my rates. And you raise your service rate by 25% to that person waiting to get in and you let her in because your little stragglers that started with you in the beginning that are pissing and moaning over $5 are now going to go away. And now that new person that pays 25% more is your new client. And that's how you continue to up-level your income without mm -hmm. ever having a void in your book, without ever saying you can't come here. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. So <laughs> right. it's just looking at things differently, you know? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when that happens, when that happens, they're booked and broke, as I, I would say. Oh yeah. So what I what I mean by that is like, yeah, you ain't taking up all clients, but you're you don't have you're not making six figures, you're not really, you know, having a successful business. Let's be honest here. 
you know, you may be making some money, but you're not making what you need to make because you're not charging what you need to charge. And you putting up like, when you're taking up more clients, really, you need to go up on your prices and eliminate some of those clients that you have. Like you were saying, that's basically 100%. what that is, is getting getting rid of some of the, like you said, the $5 people. If if, if $5 is going to make her leave, let's let her leave so I can make five more dollars and maybe I can take, you know, make more money without having to take in more clients. Right? Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, like we could definitely be talking all day. So sharing <laughs> us, sharing us, uh, what do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Oh God, there's so many. Um, I think my lesson is always be open to learning something new and don't ever get so stuck in your ways. Like when something's working, don't ever think that there's not another way. Be open. Be open is the theme. Be open to new, better, different, and just always be growing. And education, you can't stop educating or you're going to get really stuck and really boring. And, you know, you're not going to be living your best life. Yes, yes. I uh, I think that's some great advice. I know you you were in education before I think education was popular. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, it's not like now everybody's doing education, but I felt like there was a, a period in the industry where, you know, people were, were, were becoming stuck because they didn't move, you know, any further and learning new trends and all of those things. And now it's a big thing around education. But um, just tell us, how do you think that, you know, the advanced education you took like in color in the beginning days has really contributed to where you are now in your career? Oh, my gosh. Like night and day. The the biggest um, the biggest movement in my color journey was the first, um, you've said it in my bio, I went to the first hair color USA in Miami, Florida. And I talk about it in my book that, you know, I could have kept talking people out of color and just avoid it and just said, I'm just going to cut. I'm afraid I don't want to do it. But every single piece of education that I got built on the last piece and the last piece and the last piece. So I'm at the point now where any situation that lands in my chair, I don't sweat. I don't cry. I don't run to the ladies room and vomit. I'm totally prepared for it because it's a collection of 35 years of experience. And my gift right now is that I have the ability to simplify all that 35 years into a six month period in my membership. I'm able to just hand deliver it. You know, you talked about well, I can go on YouTube and I can go on Instagram and I can, yeah, you can do all of those things. But the biggest compliment I got this week was one of my members said, I'm staying for an extra six months because I didn't even finish all the stuff that you gave me in the first six months. And I've grown so much because you've put everything that I needed into one spot. I don't have to catch that person going live on Instagram and write that one thing down and watch you know, a YouTube video and get one technique. She's like, you have everything I've ever needed all in one spot for me. And thank you for that. And I was like, thank you for validating that that's the response that you're, that you're getting, that you're actually getting a transformation because I can blah, blah, blah all day long. But if you're not doing what I'm telling you to do and you're not trying new things and getting success, you're going to move on to the next guru and the next Instagram fabulous person. So sometimes there's education confusion you know, Brandy might say, hold the tension high. I might say, absolutely not. Hold it low. One person says, tease the hair. One person says, don't tease the hair. So there's a lot of that. And for me, my recommendation is find one person that you really like their work. You like their integrity. You like everything about them and go all in with them. 
until you've completely finished with them and then move on to the next thing. Don't keep bebopping all over the place or you'll drive yourself absolutely insane. You'll have education confusion and nobody has time for that. <laughs> right, right, right. Or education overload because sometimes people take in so much information. It's like, okay, I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. So yeah. you got so much information in your head, you know, watch this. And, and that's another thing, too, is sometimes you need to just take action, too, because we we're all we're, you know, so much information is coming at us. And we're so many things is out there. But before you take another program, move, take some action. Like, you know, if you learn something like that, you knew, knew that could work for you and you thought, like, maybe I should try that. Try it. Take some action. Be open to the possibilities. Start moving and trying different things. Because it, what happens, I find, too, is a lot of times people will you know, go to the class, get the t-shirt, do all the things, but they never actually start implementing these things. And they'll say, oh, that stuff doesn't work. Oh, it's a waste mm -hmm. of time and all of that. But you have to put it into work. You have to act on the things that you're being taught. So share um, of how people can find you and about the program and how they can join in all those things. Absolutely. So right now I just had day one of my, I'm not sure when people are going to hear this podcast, but we are in boot camp right now. It's a three day hair color confidence boot camp. It's free. Um, so if this airs after boot camp is over, the mentorship I talked about earlier that Brandy is involved with, you want to go to www.expertcolorsolutions with an S.com forward slash mentor. The mentorship is free. I highly recommend joining it. And to, to Brandy's point about implementing, we made sure that we created the mentorship where everything is in the place that it needs to be. I don't allow people to come in and say, oh, I need consultation. Well, now I need a highlighting technique. Well, now I need Phillips razor tank. I want this. I want that. They can't pop all over the place. They have to go and order. And that's on purpose because it's a mentorship. It's not just vomiting information at you. It's guiding you on your journey to success. So that's number one. If you need extra, you want everything in color and you want to be a better colorist and level up and get to that six-figure level as a colorist, that's my membership, which the um, we open two times a year and we happen to be open in May and then again in November. So I would love um, for people to consider joining the membership. Um, it's six months. It includes live coaching with me, you know, Q&A about your actual client situations. It's called Hair Color Secrets Insider. So when they go to the expertcolorsolutions.com slash mentor and join, they'll be able to be in my world and they'll get information and information about your stuff and everything else. So I would love to have them join my world and uh, and go on that journey with us. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. 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 Thank you. Kudos to you, Elaine, for even creating this. I think this is phenomenal, especially um, I know some people can't afford, you know, coaching or mentorship and things of that nature. And so I think this is a, a great program for that beauty professional, that hairstylist that can't afford it, but really are, you know, looking for some help or insight on how to run a business. There's so much education there. But Elaine, before we wrap up, do you have anything else you want to share with us or any advice you want to leave for the people that may be listening? Um, just keep growing You're and, and keep moving and keep changing. You're not a tree. I hear people blame their location for lack of success. Oh, it's, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, you're not a tree. You don't have to live there forever. You can live anywhere. You know, don't envy a New York stylist or a fashion week stylist. Go to New York, go to fashion week, you know, just ask. 
it's all all there for the taking. So thank you for having me, Brandy. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Elaine, Travis, everybody. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. <laughs>